1: go. Nate Ryan here with Dale Jarrett and AJ Allmendinger. Guys, we're talking about Kansas round of eight opener. Joey Logano gets the victory, holds off a spirited charge by Kevin Harvick, who probably had the fastest car. And DJ, I want to start with you there. How much credit do you think Joey Logano deserves for the way he, as the self-described best blocker, maybe a NASCAR, was able to hold off Kevin Harvick uh, despite having a slower car for more than 40 laps?
2: Yeah, that was pretty incredible. And, and- to, you know, it, it's, we say that if you get out front, that all you have to do is take that air off uh, the second place car, whoever it is behind you, and, and you're good to go. There's so much that goes into that uh, anticipation, uh, knowing what your car is capable of doing, uh, because essentially they were running wide open uh, around that track for the last 30, 35 laps of that race. And, and that's incredibly hard to do. It takes all of your focus to do that, but to be, trying to anticipate uh, what Kevin Harvick was going to do. Uh, Joey Logano really had to be on his toes and do everything exactly right. All it took was one little slip, one little time that he couldn't stay in the gas on the exit of the corner, and Kevin Harvick uh, was going to snatch him up and go right by, and he would have never seen him again. But uh, Joey Logano deserves a ton of credit for everything that he did. And and we use the term blocking there. You know, I, I look at blocking as something when – Uh, Somebody really has a run on you and you dive down in front of them at that point. Uh, I looked at yesterday as a strategic move and and measure that Joey Logano just using the air to his advantage off of his race car and disenabling uh, Harvick to be able to do exactly what he could do best uh, at, at times. But give Harvick credit. He moved around a lot trying to find something that would work. But that was fascinating for me as a former driver to watch.
3: Yeah, definitely. And and I think some credit really has to go to, to TJ majors as well as uh, Joey Logano's spotter. He's one of the best that, that there is out there in NASCAR and to be able to tell Joey, okay, this is what you're seeing. This is where Kevin's really finding the speed. And as you said there, DJ, I think the key word is anticipation because he wasn't chopping Kevin. He wasn't running him to the fence. He was watching his mirrors every time he'd roll down in the corner and try to guess, okay, where's he going? And, and, If you really watch at times, Joey would turn so late into the corner because he didn't want to give Kevin an idea of which way he was going to go. So there are some laps where I thought Joey was actually going to run the fence and decided to run the bottom because he wanted just to make sure Kevin was unsure about which direction he's going this time. Because you're right, DJ. Time Kevin Harvick gets alongside of him, side draft Joey Logano, it's game over. Joey's not going to win the race. But to Joey's credit and to TJ Majors, they did a fantastic job the whole race, and every time Kevin had that run, just got that dirty air on Kevin Harvick's nose, and we saw Kevin wash out a couple of times, but you really saw how fast Kevin Harvick's car, because every time he'd lose about a second, he'd run it right back down. So Joey was pinpoint accurate for the
1: last 30 laps and deserved that win. Yeah, you're right, AJ. Uh, TJ Majors, is spotter, clearly critical to Joe Logano getting that third victory this season. Another driver, though, wasn't really at the benefit of having a spotter for much of the race. Chase Elliott uh, battled radio problems throughout, uh, wasn't able to hear Eddie DeHaan uh, or his crew chief Alan Gustafson for for much of the race. Uh, Despite that, gets 16 stage points, gets a sixth place finish, uh, keeps himself in the championship hunt. But interesting today, uh, NASCAR comes out. Scott Miller says that if they would have known what they learned after the race, how much uh, Chase Elliott was actually incommunicado with his team, They probably would have made him come down and and pit and and fix that issue, AJ. So how much of a break do you think the number nine team caught that way?
3: That's a huge break because by my understanding, I mean, you at least have to have communication with your spotter. And I guess it's sad for us as NBC and and NBC Sports. They're not watching our broadcast because it was definitely (laughs) talked about during the race a lot that Chase Elliott – couldn't hear his spotter or his crew chief, uh, but it's a huge break because that's one of those things. If NASCAR makes the call and says, you have to come down during green and fix this problem at best, they can take the radio out, put another one in, but you're going to lose a lap, if not a couple of laps, DJ. So uh, I think very fortunate and Chase Elliott did a great job not having that communication to be able to, to at least kind of give a description of Somehow, I don't know how they did it about what he needed
2: in the race car, but Uh, Very fortunate that NASCAR didn't calm down pit road. Yeah, AJ. And so I'll say this uh, way before Chase, and you, AJ, were born, we used to drive these cars and not have any spotters. So that radio communication, it it was kind of old school as to what Chase had to do yesterday. And he did an amazing job. I mean, went up there and took the lead from Harvick at the end of stage one and and got those uh, stage points and and that playoff point. Uh, So he he really did an outstanding job. But those restarts, you could tell he was a little hesitant at times uh, whenever he just wasn't sure. And and he didn't want to make that mistake and take himself out. Over to the NASCAR side of it, um, I was pretty sure it was still a rule that, uh, you know, this is a safety issue. It's, it's no different than having your seatbelts buckled, uh, having your Hans device hooked up. Uh, it, it's a safety issue to have that spotter in communication with the driver. They don't care if you can't hear your crew chief. Uh, that's a problem between the driver and the team there. And if you don't get adjustments made, that's one thing. Uh, but it's critical for the spotter to be uh, in touch with the race driver so that if anything should happen on the racetrack, uh, you immediately know, uh, even as the before you might see the caution lights, that something has happened so you can slow down and not be a part of something there. So uh, this one definitely was something that NASCAR missed. Uh, I'm really surprised because uh, there was quite a bit of talk on it. And... Uh, Yep, AJ, I agree with you. Maybe they should tune in to the broadcast a little more. Rick and Dale Jr., Steve Latard, and Jeff Burton were on top of it.
1: Yeah, and if you want to read a little bit more about what Scott Miller, the NASCAR official who talked about today, had to say, Dustin Long has a story at NBCSports.com It goes into that. And as DJ said, I mean, it's it's mandatory for every session, you know, be it a race or practice, drivers have to have spotters, and that, that is for safety. So Joe Logano wins, guys, and now we look at the championship pitcher. I don't know if a lot of people had the number 22 Ford in their championship four, but as of now, he's the only one who's definitely in. We're waiting to see who the other three are. DJ, I'll start with you. Um, What a situation for Alex Bowman, make the round of eight for the first time, come in, get a third place finish, and actually lose ground on trying to advance to Phoenix.
2: Yeah, I, I sure did. I mean, and when you look at the whole rundown, all the other seven drivers lost points to the the cut line from where they started today. That's incredible. I mean, you talk about uh, uh, Alex Bowman finishing third, had a great day, did everything right except win the race. And and there he is further behind uh, the cut line than what he started the day. So just shows you how tough this is how your body of work in the regular season uh, plays a big part as we get into the playoffs and especially uh, down to the round of eight, how much that makes a difference. Even Kevin Harvick ran second, uh, probably had the fastest car for the majority of the race and he lost four points uh, to that cut line from where he started today. So uh, it's just so tough in there and, and just shows how much winning makes a difference. And I think there's a couple of things about Joey Logano, uh, when you look at this, he won uh, the race earlier this year at Phoenix, and I know that seems like a lifetime ago in 2020, but uh, he did. He was the winner there and uh, uh, understands what it takes there and and looking forward to going back there. So that gives us that first playoff driver uh, that uh, in contention there that, that knows how to win at that track. And, and One reason that he got there, too, we talked about his spotter, uh, TJ, doing a great job and the job that Joey did. How about his pit crew getting him out there and getting him out front? Just shows what a team sport this is. He was in control of that restart. That allowed him to get in front of Kevin Harvick and then hold him off. So it takes all components working uh, every single time that that you go to the track, especially as you're trying to advance to the championship four.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's – if you're Alex Bowman, you you gotta leave the racetrack feeling so good about your effort. Yeah, of course you want to win, but to run up front all day, and we know how good Alex Bowman is at Kansas, but it, it you gotta get in the car and just go. Okay, how, how how much closer are we? And they're like, yeah, you're 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 further back now. You're like, wait, what? Like, and, and that I mean, it just and that's the way this playoff format works. You get a, a driver in the bottom of that grouping of eight that wins a race. I mean, it just makes it so much harder for everybody else. I mean, if Kurt Bush goes and wins it at uh, Texas this weekend, imagine what that does to the points again. So, uh, I mean, the, let, let's be honest. We know the easiest way to go to the, the final race at Phoenix is win the race. So I think Alex Bowman, uh, Martin Truex Jr., obviously Kurt Bush for sure now uh, for where he's at. I mean, you have to have the mindset that we have to win this race because you can go have a great day, run top five all day and lose points. So for those drivers, especially that are in the bottom four uh you really have to be focused on going out there and and winning one of these next two races
1: i'm not not gonna put both of you on the spot and ask for championship predictions but i will just ask this harvick and hamlin came in as such favorites to make the championship four Now, now that neither one won the first race from both of you um do both of them still make it to phoenix i'll start with dj
2: uh, I, I'm going to say this. I think that Kevin Harvick certainly is, is going to make it there. Denny Hamlin put himself in a, in a difficult spot. And I actually said on our pre-race show yesterday, I thought yesterday was extremely important for Denny Hamlin. If he had the car I thought he was going to have, and he did have that, making that mistake as a driver of just that split second uh, of getting into the wall uh, put him in a very precarious position here. And I understand he's won at both of these racetracks at, coming up Texas and Martinsville. But so many things can happen. And I thought that it was important for Denny to be ready for that championship race uh, in Phoenix to get that out of the way where he could clear his mind for a while. So uh, I think that that Denny will be there. So that's going to leave one spot open. Uh, and that's that's why I think anything can happen in Texas. I believe Harvick or Denny win that race, but Martinsville, how crazy is that going to get at the end of that race? But I do believe that that Harvick and Hamlin uh, both are going to be a part of that. So uh, I'm looking at only one spot for those other five guys.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I truly have to agree with DJ in, in the sense that Harvick for sure. I mean, unless just disaster hits him over the next couple of races, which I mean, it can happen, but that team, if you're judging it off of speed, I know he's not been great at Martinsville, but they go to Texas and and show the speed that they've shown all year. Harvick will have enough of a points gap just to go into Martinsville and for the most part, probably just relax and and have a solid day, which he still can there. We've seen him run up front at Martinsville. So Denny Hamlin, I mean, that was a big mistake and he admitted it. I mean, he had a a car that go out there win the race in just one small error, slap the the wall with the right side, put them behind finished 15th. Uh, But if you look at these two tracks, I wouldn't bet against Denny Hamlin running up front at Texas and definitely not, not uh, struggling at Martinsville. He's going to be really good there. We know what he can do. So those two are in, I just look forward to it. If, if you say Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin win at Texas, I mean, who are you going to put the money on at Martinsville? Brad, really good there. Chase, he's pretty good there. Oh, and Martin Truex, I mean, he's been, he was okay there in in the, uh, in the spring race. So, yeah, I mean, and we've seen Kurt Busch win at Martinsville. So uh, I believe both those two are in as well. And it's just who's that last spot
0: being filled by. Hi, everyone. Marty Snyder with the newest driver for Stuart Haas Racing, Chase Briscoe. Of course, a familiar face of Stuart Haas Racing on the Xfinity Series side, now moving to the Cup Series side. So, first of all, congratulations. And when did you find out all this was happening, Chase?
4: Yeah, thanks. First off, a uh, couple months ago, uh, I was laying in bed and it's probably almost 11 o'clock at night. And I got a call from Tony, which was kind of odd in the first place. And uh, we just kind of started talking about sprint car racing and just started chit chatting about how the season was going. I uh, said, let's talk some serious business now. And he told me then that the the twenty or the, in 2022, the 14 was for sure going to be mine. But he wasn't sure about how 2021 was going to hold yet. So I at least knew then um, that in maybe two years I was going to get it. Um, but he said, you know, it's your car to have, you know, I don't care if you go next year, next minute, and don't win a single race, That's uh, your car. So I knew a couple months ago that I was going to at least get the opportunity at some point. Um, but then all the stuff happened about next year, I would say two weeks ago is when it really started getting, uh, pretty quickly happening. And, uh, I've known for about a week and a half now. So it's pretty crazy to think that I'm going to get a drive, uh, the 14 car for Tony and the first race is going to be the Daytona 500. It's unbelievable.
0: It's pretty insane because I know for you, this is a dream come true, right? If you could have picked one car as a young man growing up on the, in the dirt racing world, was is this the car you would have picked?
4: Oh, 100%. Um, you know, I, when I got signed by Ford at, going into 2017, you know, we always sat down and talked about, you know, what's the goal? And obviously the goal is to go cup racing, but man, the dream was to drive the 14. If I could just get a drive the 14 car, or just get a drive for Stuart Haas Racing, you know, that was going to that's going to make me super happy and, and to have it all come full circle now and uh, to get a drive, that 14 car. And like I said, just get a drive at Stuart Haas racing has been uh, so just special to me to get a drive for the guy that I looked up to and uh, to be able to win races for him. And, and now to get a drive, that 14 car uh, it's more than just the number on the side. You know, that, that thing has a lot of history between AJ, Foyt, Tony, Clint. Um, and I, And I respect that history. I want to be a part of that history as well. And, uh, you know, it definitely is is really special to me. It's not just, you know, any any old number on the side of that thing. It's one that I have all the respect for and I uh, want to do it proud.
0: So does that carry a little more importance then and a little more weight on your shoulders because you feel as though you're representing more than just yourself as a normal cup rookie would be? You Do you fab the sense you're representing the history of the 14 and what it means?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to run bad in, in front of A.J. Foyt and Tony Stewart. I mean, those two guys are <laughs> – the best there ever was to do it. So yeah, you definitely want to go run good and obviously expectations, uh, you know, that rookie year and then going into the following year, that new car. It's, it's going to be hard to go run good and run up front, mm. but uh, I'm excited for the challenge. Uh, it's, it's definitely a different landscape now than, than years past for rookies going into, you know, now no practice at all, but eight races. So uh, it's going to be tough. I'm not going to sit here and lie, but uh, I'm excited. I, I feel like the schedule You know, the new schedule really lines up well. Uh, You know, we have six road races. I feel like, you know, the road race deal on the cup side is going to be a lot harder. But I do feel like, uh, you know, the road racing is going to make it a little bit easier to go run good, especially at places like Indy and Road America where I have laps and some of those guys don't. And then obviously with the addition of the dirt race. Um, So I'm excited. It's going to be a challenge, but I'm definitely looking forward to it.
0: And Tony's certainly done a lot of media since this announcement came out. So when you hear him say, "I see a lot of me as a young driver in Chase," what sort of reactions
4: does that cause in you? Uh, it's uh, it's humbling, you know. It's it's crazy, uh, you know. Truthfully, how similar I feel like just our upbringings were. You know, we both come from you know hardworking. You know, didn't have any money growing up. Uh, both from Southern Indiana, forty-five minutes apart. Both grew up racing sprint cars, primarily non-wing in the USAC stuff. Both wanna race literally every night if we could and uh, both probably not the best eaters in the world. So uh, it's pretty crazy to, to hear him say that. And if I can just have, you know, half the success that he had in his career, uh, it'll be an amazing career and it's going to be a hard act to follow. But uh, I just can't believe I'm going to drive the 14 car and hopefully uh, I can do it for a long time to come. So let's go go all the way back, not all the way back to the dirt racing
0: days, but what were the key moments early in your pavement days you feel like that really led you to this point? I mean, you get it in Cunningham Motorsports, you're able to win there and, and win an arc and be successful. I mean, what were the key moments early on you felt that really propelled you to this, Chase?
4: Yeah, obviously, you know, going back to, you know, 2015, 2016, when I was volunteering at the Cunningham shop, you know, without Briggs and Beth Cunningham, you know, taking a chance on me, a kid that you know, didn't have any resume necessarily. It was just working at their shop uh, and was wanting to try to get an opportunity for them to take a risk on me in 2016 to, to run for the title. And we won nearly half the races and, and won the championship. And that was what truthfully got me a Ford deal. Um, and then to, to go and run trucks for Brad and, you know, that progressed to Xfinity and all these things, you know, the 2016 season. In ARCA, that's where people first finally started knowing who I was. That was my first year running pavement um, all these things, and you know, without you know Briggs Cunningham and Beth Cunningham, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here. There's no way, you know, for them to take a chance on literally just a kid that had six sprint car wins to his name, his uh, <laughs> first start. I don't know what they were thinking, but I'm certainly glad that they did it. So I know, obviously, being in
0: in and around your career, this is the earliest you've ever had anything signed. I mean, what does that do for you personally? Especially when you put it in the context of 2020 and how this year has been such an up and down year, obviously for everyone in the world, but for you personally as well at home, Chase.
4: Yeah, it's definitely been a, an up and down year for everybody, and as, as well as myself with the stuff me and my wife went through, and you know just the struggles that everybody's going through with COVID is is certainly tough. And you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's something that's totally new to me and foreign to me to have any deal, you know, really even talked about before the end of the year is over, but to actually have one signed and know what I'm doing, you know, it just takes that pressure off. You know, the years past, I'm trying to prove my worth, but I'm also trying to race for a championship, and it's tough to balance both of those pressures. And I don't have that pressure now of, you know, worrying about what I'm going to be doing next year. You know, if anything, I think it just adds confidence knowing I'm going to get a move up. uh You know, it just it makes you excited to get going, and you want to prove that you know they took a, a good risk on you. So we have three races left to win this year and obviously a championship to try to win. And, you know, that's what we're going to try to do and hopefully we can do it. So how does that allow you to
0: race for these final three races of the season for the Xfinity series? And then does that give you, not that you needed more motivation, but even a little more motivation now knowing this is your last shot really to win an Xfinity series championship.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, regardless of the situation, I'm going to do everything I can to try to win the Xfinity series championship, but, yeah, you want to go out on a high note, and especially after the year that we've had, you know, being able to win nine races so far, you know, you want to you want to finish that year with the championship and to go out on top as you move on to the next series. So, absolutely, um, you know, it definitely I think gives you a little more determination. And you know, right now we have a, a one in four shot at, at winning this championship, and uh, I'm excited to get to Phoenix and see if we can put it all together. So
0: what does it look like for the rest of the year
4: for you? Will you now be
0: staying on Sundays and kind of getting used to the 14 team and how everything works and kind of watch those races? Or are you not allowed to do that?
4: Well, that's a great question, Marty. I, uh, (laughs) it hasn't honestly even been talked about yet. And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about. I don't know if, you know, the, the COVID restrictions, how that's going to work. If I'm even able to stay, I know I'm probably not allowed to go on the spotter stand or, or go on the pit box. So, I've been listening the last couple of weeks uh, on the NASCAR app on my phone. You know, I just listened to the 14, you know, communications and, and listen to what they're going through and um, you know, talking to some of the cup guys between Cole and uh, Kevin and obviously Rodney too on the four car and just trying to pick their brands as much as I can. But yeah, that's something that I would love to be able to do these next three weeks to just, you know, stay over and just try to learn as much as I can. But with COVID I'm honestly not sure how that looks. So, that's something I need to get some clarification on now that uh, it's officially announced and it's going to happen. And uh, hopefully I'm, I'm able to stay and, and try to learn as much as I can.
0: Well, congratulations on the deal. Best of luck in these final three races. And I'm sure the off season will be a lot more relaxing now, at least knowing what you're doing here in October.
4: Yeah. Thank you, Marty. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: It's officially grilling season at the Home Depot. So don't miss Memorial Day savings on grills happening now so you can celebrate with a backyard barbecue for the whole block. Step up your grill game and serve up a feast with the next grill four burner gas grill with durability to last summer after summer on special buy only $199. Get ready for a whole summer of entertaining at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.